0: It's important to realize that the uncomfortable emotions like fear and anger and guilt and sadness, they're part of our intelligence and our experience of living, but they're also uh, ones that you don't want to live in. When you're anxious all the time, you tend to, uh, well, first of all, get exhausted. You're weakening your immune system, but you'll make bad decisions because everything's a reaction rather than a response. So wouldn't it be better to be in a state of relaxed alertness in control of your feelings and thoughts so that you can think clearly sure you don't lose any of your edge but at the same time you've got all of your ability to respond to things
1: well that's hypnotherapist and behavioral scientist paul mckenna and he's here to help us stress less this is the Lizelle well Wellbeing Show, the podcast helping us all to have a better second half. I'm Liz Earle, and as you probably know by now, I'm on a bit of a mission to find ways for us all to thrive in later life by investing in our health and our well-being today. Well there is just far too much stress and worry in the world right now, yeah? And I think we're all well aware at this point of the psychological and physical harm that it can do to us. So what if we could learn to just switch off anxiety and go into a state of instant calm at will? Wouldn't that be amazing? Well, the guy known for a bit of magic and stage hypnotism by those like me, who are old enough to remember his early years, is so much more than just smoke and mirrors. Paul McKenna's brilliant 30-year career has seen him helping people with everything from weight loss to confidence to sleep. And now he is focusing on another big one freeing us from anxiety and he is really good at it too his new book freedom from anxiety is a whole brain learning system that he hopes will reset those thought patterns and behaviors that currently hold us all back through techniques including nlp and self-hypnosis I have to say that I, for one, am intrigued, not least because I do follow his guided meditations on Mind Valley when I get into bed. And as you're about to find out, he does have a great voice. So I think I'm going to have to be very careful that my automatic reaction to hearing him isn't to drift off to sleep. So, Paul, a very, very warm welcome. And I know that you feel that lockdown had a particularly detrimental effect on our mental health. And I would really like to talk about that a little bit later on. But more generally, can we start by chatting about anxiety and stress in general, uh, which we're surrounded by, aren't we? And in particular, why you think it's so important that we find freedom from it?
0: Well, firstly, as you rightly say, we've spent the last uh, few years going through a biological pandemic, and we're in a psychological one right now. And anxiety has never been higher. I mean, it's just um, at epidemic proportions. And in the last 30 years, there's been a Some amazing breakthroughs in the world of psychology. So, there are lots of new techniques that are available to us now that weren't available years ago that help people to switch off the worry and the stress and the anxiety and turn on the peace and the calm and the comfort relatively quickly. So, you know, in the same way that if you had a a mobile phone back in the 1980s, it was the size of a brick and all you could do was make phone calls on it. Uh, These days, a mobile phone is the size of a bar of chocolate, it's a supercomputer, and you can run your entire life on it so in the same way that there's been these breakthroughs in the digital technology world there's also been phenomenal breakthroughs in modern psychological techniques so we're able to help people go from being utterly stressed, anxious, freaked out, suffering from PTSD and trauma into uh, being cured or feeling relaxed and calm and in control and relatively quickly as well.
1: I think that's a fantastic analogy and and so helpful because I, I know from my postbag that anxiety and stress and issues with sleep, and I, I should actually say, I did say in my intro that I'm gonna have to pinch myself to keep awake here, not because you're not gonna be fascinating, I know you are, but you do spend most nights in my ears, in my bed. I and it's the, it's the natural reaction. I hear your voice and I'm like switched off because you are you are incredibly good at it, I have to say. You really are good. Thank
0: you. I, I've had a lot of practice. So I, <laughs> I suppose, I, I mean, because I started life as a radio broadcaster and right. uh, I'm lucky my father had a fantastic voice. And I just sort of inherited some of that from him. But then also mm. um, when I talk to people, I think of myself bathing them in sound. And oh, so, so the, yeah. the, the voice of a radio announcer is slightly different because, you know, radio announcers has got to be bigger than that. Hypnotists, it tends to be soothing, almost like a bedtime story.
1: Yes. And from there, did you start in broadcasting and then discover hypnosis? What was your journey?
0: Yeah, I did. So I was, all I wanted to do was be a radio DJ. I, you know, from a young age, you know, I, I, I decided it was so exciting to be playing, you know, popular music and and I just felt a natural affinity with it. And I worked on Radio Caroline when I was 20 years old on the ship. Wow. And then in local radio, one day I had had a terrible day. I was stressed out. I'd broken up with my girlfriend. The people in the apartment where I was living were keeping me up with noise and just had a row with my boss at the station. And I, I went off to interview the local hypnotist. And I went in to see him and he went, look, rather than you interview me, I think I need to do it to you. You look stressed. I went, knock yourself <laughs> out mate." me. I was benevolently skeptical. Anyway, <laughs> I relaxed closed my eyes my burdens lifted I felt peaceful and euphoric and over my eyes and I felt great and it also seemed like it had been a few minutes it had been half an hour and I said this is fantastic can, can I borrow a book from you and I borrowed a book by Richard Bandler later to become my most prolific teacher and um I started practicing on my friends to, help them you know quit smoking and lose weight or i'd be at a party and i'd say oh i'm i'm learning hypnosis and people would say oh, i don't think that would work on me and i would say well let's find out shall we? and then <laughs> i'd have my like, dancing like a ballerina you know, or you know Amazing. shouting and, you know, really stuff yeah. and that's sort of how i became fascinated with it all mm.
1: and getting back to the techniques now in hand which is coping with anxiety and stress which we'll talk about can i just ask you something because let's be clear there are times perhaps when a little bit of stress can be constructive You know, are we in some ways telling ourselves we must be happy and positive all the time? Is that just adding maybe another layer of stressful, unrealistic expectation?
0: Well, there's two really interesting points you make there. Firstly, yeah, I mean, being happy all the time isn't possible because, you know, life involves us. Um, experiencing um, a whole texture of different emotions because emotions are part of our intelligence you know we're going to have to feel sad at certain times because sad things happen and you know how can you know happiness if you haven't known sadness so you can't have any value if, if not so it's important to realize that the uncomfortable emotions like fear and anger and guilt and sadness they're part of our intelligence and our experience of living but they're also uh ones that you don't want to live in Mm. and my take right now is that far too many people are living in anxiety so um this is largely you know because of the pandemic or say you open a newspaper turn on the tv you're under attack it's the virus it's the economy it's the war it's the energy etc and so some people have you know. practiced over the last few years getting themselves prepared for emergencies firstly that never happen but you know they've literally become good at it at catastrophizing and so you know mark twain famously said i've been through some terrible experiences in my life and some of them actually happened and so <laughs> what i'm saying to people is yeah. if your bandwidth of thinking is taken up with survival thoughts all day long yeah. There's no bandwidth. There's no left for the good stuff, for feeling joyous and optimistic and in experiencing the richness of life. So what I'm saying is that we do need a certain amount of stress or anxiety at certain times. Because see, the job of, of any of those emotions that's in the family of fear is to say, be prepared. If I'm about to step off the curb and there's a bus coming, I want a burst of fear to pull me back and keep me alive, right? So it's an important emotion in terms of survival. I just don't want to live in it. And anxious people say this to me, they go, look, I, I, I don't know if I could get to, you know, too chilled out and too calm, because I need my anxiety, you know, to focus me and motivate me. And I say, yeah, I, I know, I get it. You know, but when you're anxious all the time, you tend to, uh, well, first of all, get exhausted, you're weakening your immune system, but you'll make bad decisions, because everything's a reaction rather mm. than a response. So wouldn't it be better to be in a state of relaxed alertness mm. in control of your feelings and thoughts so that you can think clearly sure you don't lose any of your edge but at the same time you've got all of your ability to respond to things
1: so presumably that is what freedom from anxiety looks like to you
0: yes it does it means that um, if you want to if you if you genuinely are under threat you know a physical threat to yourself or your ego sure generate a massive amount of stress and anxiety but if not and if it's if you find that all day long you've got this feeling of foreboding or you overthink everything, you worry. You know, you're, Many perfectionists, You know, people who are really good achievers get anxiety because they're over-preparing all day long. If you want to manage that, control that, be able to switch it on and switch it off, then I can help you to have the freedom from that endless anxiety, yes.
1: Fantastic. I mean, I do think a lot of us are guilty of thinking we need to escape from our anxieties or our stresses that might be with things like addictions, for example. But also just in the same way we think if we go on, holiday you know we'll come back and miraculously all our worries and woes have disappeared so presumably it's actually more important for us to train our brains to think very differently instead
0: Absolutely. I mean, the example you just used, a lot of people say, I've got to go on holiday to get away from my problems. Well, sure, you can change the location, but, you know, to some extent, they'll still be in your consciousness. And when you come back, they're definitely still there. It's better to change your perception. Hans Selye uh, was one of the sort of um, foremost researchers in the area of stress. And he said it's it's not what happens to us, but the way that we choose to uh, perceive it that's important. So some people, you know, are fantastic at dealing with all kinds of high pressure environments with lots of challenges and difficult things. And they're just able to go into this kind of zone where they can deal with it. Other people get overwhelmed by it and they burn out. What I'm saying is there's a way to retrain your perceptual filters so that you are able to take all kinds of challenges, lots of stimuli coming in all the time, process it and be in an optimum state to be able to handle it so it's not just um remedial what I'm teaching I'm actually teaching you how to optimize yourself your thinking your perception and your life.
1: Mm. I think maybe there are two strands of treating anxiety one longer term perhaps looking at core issues but one more immediate and I'm sure there are a lot of people listening right now who feel anxious who want something to reduce that overwhelm right there in the moment so perhaps let's focus on the latter for a moment. Tell me about the freeze frame technique this I gather was created by the Heart Math Institute something I've never heard of before and the techniques are completely new to me and they feel very exciting
0: well indeed i mean this particular technique is used by all four divisions of the american military it's um it's really good at um, stopping emotional overwhelm and and it works in less than a minute and we can do it now if you want it's very easy so you know either get anxious think of something that winds you up or if you are anxious yeah that's easy concentrate (laughs) on the anxiety and now now do this put your hand on your heart okay because as soon as you bring your attention to your heart the second brain it begins to reduce cortisol very often when people are stressed they don't breathe properly or just the simple act of taking three slow deep breaths changes your state of mind and body activates the parasympathetic nervous system so now with your hand on your heart take a slow deep breath in with me so breathe in through your nose and then out through your mouth and then breathe in through your nose again And then gently out through your mouth. And then breathe in once again through your nose. And as you let that third breath go, I'd like you to remember a time that you felt really good. Maybe you were laughing with friends or you'd just fallen in love. You'd achieved something or everything in the world just felt good. And return to that time like you're back there again now. See what you saw, hear what you heard, and feel how good you felt. Make the colors rich and bright and bold, and the sounds loud and the feelings strong. And there in less than a minute, you will have taken yourself from being anxious, to being much calmer. So regular practice of these techniques, literally using this to interrupt, every time the anxiety and the stress appears you, knock it back, and knock it back, then right. what happens is the default setting of anxiety gets reduced over a few days.
1: That's amazing. I mean, I, I do feel quite calm. I mean, it's very easy to, to get revved up in anxiety. And I love that fact that you put your hand on your heart. So you're physically doing something to start with. It's almost like the signal to your body, right, we're about to do something. So pay Absolutely. attention. And yeah, it, amazing. Just three breaths. And interesting that you talk about, you know, visualizing in very bold colors and with sounds. So it's not just yes. thinking of something. You're really kind of yeah. putting it, cementing it into your brain. As, you're immersing as, as you yourself. Can.
0: Yeah. Mm. Immersing yourself in the experience creates greater emotional intensity. So the sort of general rule is when we're inside a memory what happens is is it, it makes it more intense and when we're outside of it disassociated it reduces the intensity basically there's only two ways to feel good or bad in life and that's to either remember something good or bad that happened or to imagine something good or bad that could happen and once you know that and then you know what you do is if you're thinking about something that upsets you you step out of the memory float the memory back from you or it might be something you're imagining happening drain the color out, look at it like it's happening to someone else. The emotional intensity reduces. Then all you do is you, you know, think about something you want to have happen or you remember something good And it increases the good feelings. These are simple ways of how we operate our brains.
1: I'm hearing a lot about manifesting at the moment. So, you know, creating positive imagery. Do you think that manifesting is a thing that by thinking about something positive that's going to happen, we can actually guide ourselves towards it?
0: Well, when I'm asked, you know, what's the one piece of advice you would give people from everything you've learned? I say you get more of what you focus on in life. Now, um, a lot of people think about what they don't want all the time. I don't want to be overweight. I don't want to be um, scared when I give a presentation. I I don't want to self-sabotage. And you see, by doing that, you're putting your energy into it. It's easy for it to become a self-fulfilling prophecy. So I think just by focusing on what you do want, it's more likely to bring it about. And so, you know, a lot of people move away people rather than move towards. And they go, oh, right, alarm's gone off. I don't want to be late. Because they're not getting into trouble and you know, i oh, better get motivated so they're moving away from fear right rather than waking up and going okay alarm's gone off what am i going to create today what am i going to do what am i going to achieve all the things i'm looking forward to etc move towards and so when it comes to manifesting I believe that on a sort of psychological level, and we know this from research, people who have goals tend to make more money and achieve more things, right? Doesn't mean they're happier, by the way, but uh, they they get stuff done. People that don't, you know, it's a bit like setting off in a boat without a rudder. You could end up anywhere, right? So I think a direction or goals is a good thing. The, the reason I'm not a massive goal setter these days is because if your life is only about goals, you get very frustrated when you don't achieve them and you get consumed with them. And, uh, and, and of course, um, uh, that then can mean you've got a potential for unhappiness. I prefer a direction these days. But if you're talking about, say, metaphysical attraction, like the law of attraction, is it likely that um, we're able to attract things to us? So I'd use an example again from science of ah the law of sympathetic resonance right if you have two pianos oh love it right so you put two pianos in a room you got a C chord you hit a C chord on one the C chord on the other will vibrate so you know I, I think it's interesting how all the sort of the rich people manage to s- associate with all the rich people all the miserable people and find the miserable people because they're, at, they're oscillating at the same frequency, if you like. And so I, I believe by putting yourself into a positive neurophysiological state of mind and body, as it were, Um, You literally You're you're oscillating on a particular frequency And other people will find you attractive And you know somehow More good things are likely to happen Mm. Now that doesn't mean that um, Only good things happen because Nice people get cancer and villains have their own Super yacht so um, uh, I think that that, because I'm Being a Buddhist um, I don't see Karma as you know you reap what you sow Right some of that's true sure But at the same time you know um, For me karma is you pull to you the less Lessons you most need to learn and they may not be comfortable lessons so I mean I got, got off a, a bit of a spiritual tangent there but that's the way I
1: No, I love um, it okay,
0: right, yeah. well, that's the way I see it
1: yeah I, I think it's fascinating and actually I've been doing a little bit of research into vibrational music and different hertz and different frequencies do you connect with those do you use different frequencies is it the 423 or the 520 frequencies that are supposed to resonate with ourselves yes. and, and give us that vibrational Undoubtedly, energy?
0: Undoubtedly, yeah. I mean, you know, Baroque music is better for super learning. And, you know, it, again, it, what you really want depends on what you want to do. I mean, for the work I do, which is. Um, uh, in terms of frequency, uh, delta waves in the brain are the, the most useful. I can explain the science on that if you want. Mm. But um, you're absolutely right that certain sounds create certain vibrations um, in human beings. In the sequence. basically the cells are like little radio stations, and they're like here we go. Better example: this desk here, right, is made of atoms and molecules vibrating at a particular density and frequency as are you and Liz and and I am as well. So that means that we're different to the, you know, the feel and the shape of the desk because we're, we're made of different atoms and molecules. You know, we, we're still made of atoms and molecules vibrating at a different density frequency. So what happens is when somebody is in a state of upset, you know they'll be manifesting that in their emotional state which is uh, defined in terms of electricity and chemistry and a lot of the techniques um in my book and and it comes with you know audio versions of yeah, the yeah, techniques it's brilliant. as well yeah. you you download they they get you to change your state of mind and body and therefore the frequency at which you're oscillating as well, or your brainwaves certainly are oscillating. And that creates measurable scientific changes. So some of this might sound a little bit metaphysical, but I can bring it back to the hard science, um, particularly in relation to the you know, techniques like the havening technique, which is all about creating delta waves in the brain.
1: Mm, brilliant. No, I definitely want to talk about that. I had an experience actually just yesterday. I went for a gong bath and that was just extraordinary, just being surrounded by these banging gongs and feeling the resonance. Yeah. You know, going going through my body.
0: Yes. Beautiful.
1: Yeah, it it was good. It was very good. So let's talk about havening, because this is another technique, isn't it? A sort of psychosensory therapy. And it uses touch. Interestingly, we actually had another brilliant practitioner on the show recently, Poppy Delbridge, who was talking us through tapping. And I have to say that her techniques, anybody who listened will probably remember, took me to a place that was quite emotional. So is is this, again, using touch to connect with our inner being?
0: You could say they're in the same family. There's a number of them. There's a technique called EMDR, eye movement desensitization. Yes, I love EMDR. Yep. Right, so you look up and you move your eyes <laughs> yeah. back and forth. Now, I again, it works and it works for people and a lot of people love it. I'm not a massive fan because I don't think it sticks
1: right. for enough people. Interesting. And
0: also looking up back and forth, ice back and forth, is alpha. It's not delta. Okay. So um, TFT, the original tapping technique, there's been a few knockoffs since, but the original one was created by, sadly now my late friend, Roger Callahan, who was a brilliant old school academic, you know, university psychology professor. And he found that, um, his, his, basically his take was that when we are experiencing a positive or negative state of mind, that that creates what he called a thought field, right? So that's a combination of electricity and chemistry. Now um, he also experimented because he was interested in other things in using acupuncture meridian points, touching them. So the premise of acupuncture is that we have, as well as blood flowing in our veins, an electrical life force, if you like, called qi, right? And what happens is when we are suffering some malady, the energy is blocked. So by placing needles in these particular points it gets the energy to flow again. And you know, it works incredibly well. And Chinese medicine's been around for about two thousand years, so I got a lot of faith in it because um, it's, um, it's, it's a well-established um, form of medicine. So the tapping technique works on that principle. Havening is slightly different, right? In fact, it's, no, it's very different because even though it is, again, it's involving touch and some visualizations, that's why we call it psychosensory. Havening was created by a, a brilliant, brilliant scientist, my dear friend, Dr. Ronald Rudin. He's, um, he's an MD, but he's a Harvard PhD in neuropharmacology. So he's a hard scientist. He's not just you know, asking people questions about, do you feel better or not? He's looking at MRI scans, rats, brains, etc. You know, he's a hard scientist. Mm-hmm. So what happens is, it, I can demonstrate this very simply. If you, if you put your left hand on your right shoulder and your right hand on your left shoulder yeah. and stroke the side of your arms, there are other places we can touch, but doing that feels comforting.
1: It feels good. Even though I'm doing it to myself, I'm kind of hugging myself.
0: That's right. You can do it to yourself and it's, it, it feels comforting because you're hardwired to produce Delta which is synonymous with deep relaxation. And when you were a child, your mother held you in her arms and rocked you. Mm. And that's comforting, isn't it? Because right now you're reducing cortisol and you're increasing serotonin, the happy neurotransmitter. But the beautiful thing about Delta is this, is when we experience something traumatic, We go through, I could give you the science on it, it's quite complicated though, but basically we create a biological change in the landscape of our brains. When we do this havening technique, so we summon the anxiety, we think about something stressful, we stroke the side of our arms, what happens is we create a new electroceutical and chemical equation in our brains that changes the actual landscape. It creates a, a biological change, it's really profound. So this looks really simple, it's deceptively simple. But what it does, in essence, is de-link the thought from the feeling. So if you want, I'll demonstrate it now. And I add a little something on the end of the havening because I tend to tinker with all the techniques, <laughs> either whether they're mine or someone else's. Mm. So what I'd like you to do, if, if you could, Liz, think about something that you find distressing, traumatic or upsetting.
1: Yeah, got it.
0: Okay, and on a scale of 1 to 10, how strong is that?
1: Yeah, it's like a
0: 9 nine okay summon it all summon it all right now keep stroking the side of your arms that's Mm it left hand stroking your right shoulder your right hand stroking your left that's it good summon all of that distress and then clear your mind clear your mind and imagine we're walking together on a beach and with each number that i count out please take a footstep in the sand One, two, three, four, five, six. 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Keep stroking the side of your arms. That's right. And I'd like you to remember a happy time. Mm -hmm. Happy time maybe when you were laughing, something like that. And return to it now, like you're back there again. See what you saw, hear what you heard, and feel how good you felt. And tell me a little bit about this time, if you can, please.
1: Uh, The happy time was on my birthday with my daughter Lily, who has severe pain a lot of the time, but actually she was out of pain that day. And we were just laughing. She was introducing me to porn star martinis, and it was we were just <laughs> having just sort of mum daughter time, being silly. And she was free, and I was just so so happy with that.
0: And when you feel this good feeling now, where is it strongest in your body? Is it in your chest, in your heart? I would say in my heart. Yeah,
1: I, I would your say heart. it's in my heart.
0: Okay, if we give it a colour, Liz, what colour is it?
1: Uh, it's probably like a pinky colour, quite a bright pink
0: pinky color and just keep stroking the side of your arms mm-hmm. and imagine moving that pinkish color up through your heart into your neck and all the way around your head down through your shoulders into your arms down through your chest into your legs to the very tips of your toes and then double the brightness and double it again that's right so you're glowing in this pink color yeah. that's it can keep stroking the side of your arms and now let's just imagine walking in a beautiful garden i'm going to count out loud with each footstep one, two. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And then if you can, please put your hands out in front of you with your palms facing up. Mm -hmm. That's right. And what I'd like you to do is to put all of the stress, the anxiety, the fear, the worry, all of the uncomfortable emotions into one of your hands, please. Put it there. Okay. Now, in the other hand, put peace calm comfort peace calm comfort next move your attention above your head now so you're thinking from above your head and down there I'd like you to experience the anxiety and the peace the stress and the calm the worry and the comfort anxiety peace worry stress calm comfort there you go and then come on back out so on a scale of one to ten where's the number now in relation to that thing that was stressing you
1: oh gosh it's it's gone down to like a four or five maybe even lower
0: and that's in just a few minutes right so if we sat and did this for half an hour it'd be gone and also, it would be hard for it to ever come back as well, wow. because it's created a biological change in the actual neural networks in your brain.
1: So we can do that with anything that's stressing us at the moment. We can do that technique, take take one piece at a time and kind of get rid of it, just like clear it out of our system.
0: Absolutely. That's, I mean, this originally, uh, when we, when Dr. Rudin, and I was part of the development team. I worked with him about 10 years ago on this. And we did a study for King's College, which was originally a classified study. It was a military study and um it was mostly war veterans and then we widened it when it got declassified to rape victims and bereavement cases people are at the sharp end of trauma Mm. and seven in ten people to summarise, it had a 180, a, you know, a full turnaround in one session, wow. and this, um, you know, I thought, wow, everyone's going to be so excited. What it did do was produce massive amounts of scepticism because people would go, this can't possibly work in just twenty minutes or yes, half an hour. You've got to take you a know, pill for life. Exactly, <laughs> that's right. And, you know, so people, you know, say. Many of my friends are psychiatrists, but if you've grown up in that world, if, you, or if you've, you know, if you're in a world where, if all, hey, put it this way, if all you've got is a hammer, everything's a nail. And so, <laughs> so people think that medication's the answer to everything. Well, it is the answer to some things, no doubt. But I like to investigate these other things first. So with the book and the audio uh, that comes with it, you download this onto your phone, you see, or onto your computer. Mm. And say you're having a bit of a stressful day, you hit a button boom, I pop out and I walk you through this technique and get you calm and get you feeling in control. So you have me on tap 24 hours a day.
1: Absolutely love it. I really, really do. And yeah, I mean, I I feel all sort of warm and glowy and slightly fuzzy from my techniques. So I think you're going to have to come back every week. (laughs) Okay well the techniques that we've discussed so far are from the psychosensory field but of course there are so many other ways that we can start to free ourselves from anxiety and we're going to look at these after the break including something called NLP which I am personally fascinated to learn more about so please don't go anywhere. Okay, well, welcome back. And I am so enjoying this conversation. You can probably tell from my voice that I'm feeling calm and all warm and fuzzy inside thanks to part one. And now in part two, we're going to take a deep dive into the world of NLP and potentially self hypnosis with Paul. So broadly speaking, what is NLP and what does it do?
0: Well, NLP stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming. Neuro as in neurology, brain, linguistic language, a way of communicating and programming. Just as a computer has programs that it runs, so does a human being. Habits. You know, so when you're a child, you learn how to tie your shoelaces. You have to really practice the first few times and then, boom, it becomes an automatic habit. Same with opening a door or brushing your teeth. In fact, 40% of what we do all day long is habit. You know, you wake up in the morning, you don't think, shall I brush my teeth? No, you just do it, right? And so the idea is that when you understand how you got programmed early in life, with many good things but perhaps some things that are not so good and dysfunctional maybe a phobia maybe a fear of public speaking maybe a uh, self-sabotage habit or maybe you know you smoke or you 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 drink too much or something like that you can using nlp literally reprogram yourself the way that you would a computer to overcome uh, behaviors that are holding you back to become more optimistic more joyous you know to think more creatively and so Um, everything you do from earning a million bucks to boiling an egg comes down to your neuro-linguistic programming.
1: Really fascinating. I mean, I first became aware of it possibly in the 80s. People were talking about it as a business tool and a way of communicating. How would it work in a business setup?
0: Well, a lot of people in business, particularly sales, found that... um, The NLP strategies for creating greater rapport and for persuasion and influence, you know, are very useful. In fact, NLP is used by every major corporation, large proportion of the world's therapists um, and governments, you know, around the world. People who are really good orators, like, for example, Bill Clinton, Tony Blair, um, etc., are big fans of NLP because it's a technology. So the way I use it is to help people overcome problems. But the way you can use it is to as as a communication technique. Or set of techniques and you could you you know you can use those to create greater rapport to understand what it is so in the world of sales a good you know problem is when you say salesperson people automatically think of you know used cars and things like that a good sales somebody quite pushy
1: Mm. yeah
0: that's right and so you see a good salesperson is someone who helps a person navigate their way through decisions before they buy something so you know the golden rule for me is you never sell something to somebody that they don't want because you will get buyers and more so find out what it is they want first if you've got it, sell it to them. If you haven't, send them in the right direction where they can find satisfaction. And so um, it's a, really a set of tools about precision and about sophistication in, in communication. That's how it's often used in business these days.
1: Mm. So how do we use it then to lower stress and anxiety?
0: Well, the three principles in how we create our state's. Of mind and body all day long and by a state I mean I mean anxiety or I mean excitement I mean apathy I mean um, anger I mean uh, creativity I mean all the different states of mind and body that we experience three there's three ways really we uh, talk to ourselves with an internal dialogue and usually when we're anxious ah, internal dialogue's excited and it might be stressed and it, <laughs> you know, it might be loud and saying what about this what about that now when you talk to yourself in that kind of tone of voice it's going to make you Feel anxious, right? Because the mind and body are intimately linked in what's known as a the cybernetic loop. One's always influencing the other. So if you've got stressed internal dialogue, that's going to create a stress set of feelings. So when you slow your internal dialogue down in your mind, and you say something inside your mind like, All is well, or I know how I'm going to solve this problem, or I need to be aware of this rather than like that, rather than that, you go, "Hmm." Mm. right? That changes how you feel. The other way is through visualization, right? So lots of people make, well, we all make pictures all day long inside our minds. So for example, somebody says to you, Hey, would you like to come to a party? You in a split second, make a picture of you either or a movie standing there, Mm, feeling a bit awkward you know not knowing anyone and you say to yourself i'm not sure about this no i don't think i can come to the party or what you do is in that split second you go you imagine yourself at this party hanging out with people having fun and connecting with people enjoying yourself you go yeah this is good okay what time's the party so all day long we're creating movies and we're talking to ourselves which is generating how we feel and driving our behaviors, right? So, mm. so it's not just what you picture, it's how you picture it. And I'll give you an example. Think about something that's mildly distressing, right? At a time you had an argument or you were disappointed, right? And can you remember it now?
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, Yeah, I'd like you back
0: to it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can remember what happened. <laughs> what I'd like you to do, Liz, is step out of it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Step out and see the back of your head as you float the movie of that memory further and further away. And then shrink it down in size so it gets smaller okay and at the same time drain all of the color out of it so it becomes black and white like an old movie Mm. and then make it smaller and smaller and disappear it it's gone and the feelings change
1: yeah
0: right now imagine or remember yes either imagine or remember a good time so something that would you know make you feel really good so it might be you know, on holiday with friends, laughing and enjoying yourself in some great location. Or it might be, you know, spending time with people you love. And step into it and see what you'll see, hear what you'll hear, feel how good you'll feel. Mm. Make the colors rich, bright, bold, the sounds louder, the feeling strong. So this simple principle, basically, memories or visualizations of things that could happen that are in full color that were inside have greater emotional intensity than those that we're outside that are further away and dull and dim. So basically, step out of the bad times, step into the good.
1: I love it. I mean, I, I love the fact that we can reprogram our memories because people tend to think that memories are fixed.
0: Oh, that's right. And then of course, they're not. I mean, you know, really, NLP is about using your brain you know, and running it. I mean, for example, when my father died about 10 years ago, I remember being absolutely destroyed by the grief. And after a few weeks of, you know, you know drinking heavily and thinking, you know, oh, God, why, 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 I suddenly went, hang on, what am I doing here? Oh, I see. I'm thinking about the last few months of his life in the hospital and the machine that goes beep. And I, I caught myself doing it and I stepped out. And I moved the image away, made it black and white and shrunk it down and immediately brought in happy times. He had 84 really great years. I was playing football when I was a kid or him encouraging me and I was laughing watching a movie together or something. So what I did was I just over like a day or two, I just went, not that, this not that this and then eventually my brain automated and i go sure i miss my dad and i'm sad but i'm not overwhelmed by it anymore uh, and the, the other thing to bring in as well the other component in how we create states is physiology right no one has ever come into my study and said i'm depressed standing completely upright you know they usually sort of slouch and come in and go oh it's really awful and they're looking down at the ground and you know it's funny um, Roger Moore told me this lovely story about, um, uh, when he was, um, at, um, he had a mentor who was, when he was learning acting and this chap early on said to him, how tall are you? And he said, I, I'm six foot two. He goes, well, stand like you're six foot two. And suddenly when he stood more upright, mm. you know, his head held high and everything, he felt differently about himself started to get more parts so the good thing is as you see is that when we're tense in our body you know we go and have a massage and that relaxes our body which relaxes our mind but when we're tense generally our mind our thoughts will be racing and we'll be making catastrophic pictures So we change those and our body relaxes so it's the link between mind and body that's all important in creating states and that's one of the fundamental principles of nlp
1: You know, one of the ways that I've incorporated recently in sort of changing my state first thing is going outside wherever I am first thing and looking up rather than just looking out. It's just the act of looking up and sort of looking up almost in wonderment and, you know, towards the sun, having some daylight. And even just that little simple thing seems to have a physical impact on my brain and my mood.
0: Absolutely it does, yes, looking up again, one of the simple things I suggest to people who are feeling down is is when you walk around, look up, look at the sky, look at the tops of the buildings, uh, again because you know i'm, I'm our physiology is communicating with our psychology. And um, one of the things I also love, Liz, is walking in nature, mm. you know, looking at all the different shapes and colours of, of the natural beauty. You know, and that, again, is proven to reduce stress.
1: Yes, all the fraxels of the leaves. And I, I was even reading about um, the the, the gut friendly microbiome bugs that trees give off. Uh, and they, they, they give off different um, sort of atmospheric particles early in the day and late in the evening. So going out at dawn and dusk and being amongst trees and breathing in the air that's around them is apparently helping our microbiome, which in turn, obviously, gut-brain access is helping our mind.
0: I didn't know that, but I shall take even more joy. uh, (laughs) Natural beauty now. I do it every day. I take my Uh, dog
1: out. Wonderful. And
0: and I do a little little gratitude list in my head. Oh,
1: gratitude. I, I try and put gratitude into my mind as the last thing as my head is on the pillow and the first thing as I open my eyes. I mean it's it's a simple thing but it's you know, you, you were talking earlier about framing your day and getting up, and you know, as soon as the alarm goes off, thinking, "Oh crikey, what you know, what's ahead of me?" But if you replace that with, "I'm so grateful to actually have woken up <laughs> for a start, and <laughs> uh, and taken a breath <laughs> and being here," and then you know, everything else sort of follows on. Can we touch uh, briefly on hypnosis? Maybe I can't have you here and, and not talk about that because that, have, for so long, has been sort of shrouded in the realms of the magic world as a bit of a dark art, but. Can can you explain perhaps the science of it? Because it's not just about kind of making people fall asleep, is it?
0: No, it's, um, you're right. It was considered for a long time. When I started doing it 35 years ago, it was voodoo. you know. <laughs> yes. um, but now it's widely accepted um, in science and medicine as a, as a really useful and powerful approach to creating behavioural change. Now, when people say, oh, I'm not sure I could be hypnotised, I say, no, <laughs> you don't understand. I, I've never met anyone who can't be. In fact, People all day long find themselves off daydreaming. You might be driving a car and you're thinking about what you're having for dinner later. You're thinking about all sorts of other stuff. Oh, something catches your eye and then you need to return to normal consciousness. I see, you know, people all day long in these uh, states of intense focus, you know, when they're working or whether they're off thinking about something else. And hypnosis is really no different to that. It's... um, it's synonymous with deep relaxation. People think it's the same as sleep, but for me, it's not. It's more like a daydream. And the great thing is is when we use this daydream or reverie, we can use that state of mind to program ourselves, imagining life being better or imagining alternative futures where things work out well. Or we can just talk directly to the unconscious mind. This is what I do. I speak fluent mm. subconscious. Wonderful. Right? <laughs> what I do is I put someone into a trance and i ask them i ask their unconscious mind to find other ways to achieve the positive things that some negative behavior is doing for them or i get them to change and shift their their perceptual filters so they see more opportunity they still they've got all their edge able to deal with problems and challenges but suddenly everything is more optimistic and beautiful and i've recorded a lot of trances over the years but i have to say the trance that comes with this book is not like anything else. I mean, it's deep. I mean, I actually went back and re-recorded the whole thing until... I mean, the producer had five attempts at trying to edit it, and he he was he fell asleep each time. In fact, that seems to be the <laughs> big part of it because you get so relaxed. Yes. And I've given it to people who are unbelievably anxious. And they're, they're sceptical about this. And they put it on, and they wake up, and they go, oh, my God, what did you do? I feel... So calm and I feel in control and I can focus and sure the anxiety may come back So you use the trance again, but using it every day over a week Mm. will Make a profound effect uh, in terms of the change in your perceptual filters So you'll see more opportunities more joy more optimism and enjoy the richness You'll have more creative thoughts about how to solve problems and you'll just feel calmer and more in control in yourself so that's um, that's something I'm very proud of the trance that comes with this book is awesome
1: amazing i can't wait to try it so that's a form of self-hypnosis
0: well that's a form of hypno yeah, that's where i'm doing it to you right the self-hypnosis is that comes with the book what i do is i teach people some simple techniques like one of them is where you just you literally uh, you, you basically you've always got to set a framing statement a statement of intent you go i'm going to relax into into a trance now for 10 minutes or 20 minutes and during that time, I want to feel, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then you say, if for any reason or emergency I needed to awaken, I would do so with all the resources that I needed. So if the room caught fire or something, right? So that way you know you're safe. And then you either just do a systematic relaxation, like you go, I'm now relax the muscles at the side of my eyes. Now I relax the muscles, side of my mouth, around my neck and shoulders, etc. Or you do this, you go... You imagine how you would look if you were twice as relaxed as you are right now.
1: Mm. I recognise that from the meditation I did with you earlier, or or, 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 or the trance. Yeah, I love it.
0: (laughs) So so by doing that, you're you're saying, "I want this, I want this, I want this" to the unconscious mind, and it
1: gives it to you. So how is that different from meditation when we're supposed to clear the mind? Is is there a difference? Do you think between what we're doing here and meditation?
0: well they're in the same family there's certainly some similarities usually to do with relaxation to some extent focus of attention or the loss of the multiplicity of the foci of attention and focusing on one thing you know the breath or the you know, the, the mantra or whatever but with meditation usually you're not um as you say you're clearing the mind you're you're getting yourself peaceful and relaxed and um, that's the bit that's similar to hypnosis however with hypnosis you can instruct the unconscious mind to do things. So Mm. not to do this dysfunctional behavior and do something else instead to see greater possibilities, you know, and also, you know, to forget to, to do things that are upsetting and things like that, to recode memories. So you take a memory that was upsetting you and you make it black white and you recode it. And you say to the unconscious mind, you know, keep it like that in future. And so it doesn't bother you anymore. So Mm. meditation is, Great. I mean, it really is. Right now, people are doing more meditation than ever in history. I mean, uh, particularly this is one of the the benefits from the pandemic is people had more time to spend with their family and, Mm -hmm. you know, to take part in all sorts of activities they didn't think they normally had time for. Meditation's gone ballistic. And I'm a big fan of it. You know, we know from the research that people that do meditation end up in better health, they're more productive and creative, etc. Hypnosis is taking the good things from meditation and turbocharging them. And in fact, there's a really wonderful meditation that's been developed by my friend, Genpo Roshi. He's, a, he's an extraordinary Zen master. And he's found a way to get you into the Samadhi Satori state of the bliss of all bliss. Um, uh, oh, wow. And, yeah, and so I've taken Genpo's meditation and I've incorporated it into the trance that comes with this book. So that's why people at the end of it go, my goodness, I feel so good.
1: Uh, <laughs> it's nice as as we come to an end to look back and think that there could have been maybe one positive benefit of being in lockdown and that perhaps it did let more people find meditation. But I know from talking to so many experts that lockdown has had such a negative effect on mental health. Do you see that playing out really poorly over the coming years?
0: I'm afraid I do, actually, um, but on the positive side, because I'm an optimist, right? Yes. Um, if I were to think about the good things that have come from this, because there's been a lot of bad things. Sure. The good things are people are taking their health more seriously than ever before. Mm-hmm. People have had a chance to step back and think, what's really important to me, right? And to get a different perspective, maybe learn a new skill and things like that. And I think also, as you rightly mentioned, you know, these interesting things like meditation to a greater extent has, has now taken place. So I think, you know, a lot of bad stuff but there's absolutely some good stuff as well mm. and
1: hopefully people taking a li- little bit more accountability for their own health and well-being and realizing that we our health is our wealth and a lot of it lies in our hands paul it's an absolute delight and such a pleasure to talk to you thank you so much for being with us today not
0: at all there's an absolute pleasure to talk to you and have this kind of you know conversation i mean it really has been lovely to spend the last hour with you thank you <music>
1: Oh Paul, a very big thank you for your time. I think you can tell from my tone of voice that I feel super relaxed and I really enjoyed that. I do hope you did too. And if you've enjoyed learning some of Paul's techniques today, you might also be interested in tapping. We touched on it briefly. As I mentioned, Poppy Delbridge did a lovely little live session with me on an episode a couple of months ago. So do scroll back in your podcast feed to listen to that one if you haven't already. And while you're still here, do click the follow button because you absolutely do not want to miss next week's episode we are talking medical cannabis and let me tell you this it is a real eye-opener well in the meantime you can also please let me know what you made of today's episode or indeed any of the conversations that we've had here on the podcast you can find me over on instagram i'm at lizelle me and the team and i are at lizelle Wellbeing. is it for this week until next time go well bye-bye The Liz Earl Wellbeing Show is presented by me, Liz Earle, and is produced by Anushka Tate for Fresh Air Production, with additional production support from Ellie Smith. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even
2: softer over time.